Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Your host, Gregorio Leoni, will have smart discussion with experts, thought leaders, and friends on customer experience, transformation, innovation, and leadership. I hope you will enjoy the next episode. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight it's really a big, big pleasure. I have Rick Delisi with me on the podcast. Hi, Rick. How are you? Hello there. Greetings from the U.S. Everything fine on your side? Yeah, it's been a great year and it only seems to keep getting better. So thank you for that. And for the people watching the CX Goalkeeper podcast, we are seeing your nice background and you are already introducing what we are going to to discuss. Digital customer service. You are a co-author of an outstanding book that we want to discuss today. But before we deep dive in the book and everything what it's offering this book, because this is really a playbook that everybody could leverage and can leverage in business, I would like also to learn a bit about you, Rick. Could you please introduce yourself? Sure. Well, I've been studying the science and the psychology of customer service and customer experience for the last two decades working for a number of years as the uh, head of advisory for Gartner's CX and customer service practices, and had previously written a book called The Effortless Experience, which perhaps we'll get into a little little while from now. And now I'm working as the uh, lead research analyst for Glia, the leading DCS or digital customer service provider for financial services companies. So my career has come full circle, but always focused on trying to create excellent customer experiences, which, of course, is your passion, too. Exactly. But I am a bit disappointed because you mentioned a book, The Effortless Experience. Sorry, this is not a book. This is the book. This is really one of the key books for every customer experience professional. This is a must read, and it's me telling that. It's not Rick telling me to to tell that or to say that to you, but it's really one of the most important book in customer experience. And I would say it's one of the first book really speaking about customer service, but perhaps you can elaborate a bit on that. Yeah, it's always, always an honor to hear how meaningful that book has been to so many people, both people who study customer experiences you do, and certainly those who practice it at companies all around the world. It's a book that started with a really simple premise. We did a research project some number of years ago to try to determine what is the single best question you could ever ask a customer right after a service interaction to predict their future behavior, specifically their future loyalty behavior. Now, we all know that the standard questions in customer service and CX have been the CSAT question, how satisfied were you with that experience? And then, of course, the NPS question, net promoter score, which is based on willingness to recommend. How likely are you to recommend us to a friend or colleague? Here's what we learned. Those are both fine questions, and those are both fine outcomes. You would want a customer to be satisfied. You'd want a customer to be willing to recommend you. But what we learned is, Right after a service interaction, a person's answer to either of those two questions isn't very predictive of their future loyalty behaviors. So we experimented with dozens of different words and combinations and iterations of questions and hit upon this realization. A person's answer to the question, how much effort was required for you to get your issue resolved? Their answer to that question 
is a nearly perfect predictor of their future loyalty behaviors. So we began a whole research project into the art and science of reducing customer effort. Once we learned that effort is the thing that companies should focus on, we began to study what is effort, how is it experienced by customers, what can organizations do differently to impact effort. And then came the biggest surprise of all. We had imagined at the outset, again, just linking this question, how much effort was required with a person's future behaviors, we assumed at first, and, and maybe it's only logical to assume, that effort is based on what a customer has to do, right? So in a service interaction, that might be how many things they had to do, how hard it was to do those things, how long it took to do those things. Well, guess what we learned? How a customer experiences effort isn't just based on what they do. In fact, it's based twice as much on how that person feels about the whole experience. The feel side of effort is in fact twice as powerful as the do side. And once we discovered that, again, a follow-on discovery to the initial understanding of the link between effort and loyalty, once we learned that it's so much about how a person feels, we began to realize there's any number of things that organizations can do to change the way experiences feel. And we called that the science of experience engineering. I'll just give you the simplest example. Let's say you're calling some company on the phone and the IVR, the voice robot, always asks you, please put in your 15-digit account number. So you, you put in your numbers and then eventually a live person comes on the line and what's the first question they always ask you? What was your account number? It's like, I just put it in the system. Why are you asking me again? But if that, that rep, that person on the other end of the phone says, hey, look, I know you just put your number in the system, but for your own security, would you mind repeating it? That's the same exact do. The customer has to do the same exact thing, but it feels completely different. And so understanding the do side and more importantly, the feel side of effort opened up this whole fertile field of exploration and discovery around experience engineering. So that really struck home with me. And so that's a big part of what I've been studying for all these years. It's, it's really outstanding to, to listen from you what you are saying and how you are explaining that. It's, it's really outstanding. This is really fantastic. But I, thinking about the effortless experience and now digital customer service, another outstanding book. But how is it possible to create such a great books? And therefore, my question is, which are the values that drive you in life? I am passionate about experiences. And, and maybe if I'm being completely transparent, it's that I get disproportionately frustrated when I have a poor experience. If I'm standing in a line, if I'm going through some process, if I'm in the middle of some whole rigmarole with some company, I'm always thinking, what could these people have been doing differently? How could they explain it differently? How could they present it differently? How could they structure it differently so it feels more effortless? Once I came to understand how important customer effort is, now it's like I measure every experience in my life against that criteria. And you can see there's a vast array of opportunities for organizations to make things less effortless, not just easier. That's part of it but also to make experiences 
feel more effortless. I think this is really, really a great view on uh, on, on on your life and on 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 your values, and and, and it totally makes sense because you are explaining that. Uh, we don't need to call each other because nowadays there are different tools, different ways to connect and to interact with friends, but also with customers. And I think now we, we should kick off the discussion about the digital customer service, transforming customer experience for on-screen world. And it's something that you mentioned. You mentioned I would never allow myself to speak about, about weaknesses of the book, the, the effortless experiences, but you mentioned that one of the weaknesses of, of, the, of the, the first book you published is that you didn't spoke about digital customer service. Could you please elaborate a bit on that? I'd say we at least paid lip service to it in the effortless book. But again, that was research that was done in 2012, 2013, 2014, and the digital customer experience was still very nascent at that point. So we shared what we knew and what we were learning up until that point, but man, have I learned so much since. And haven't we all? Haven't all of us become so much more digital first, so much more digital centric? And just to you know, put a pin in the calendar, from March of 2020, the onset of the pandemic, each of us have become exponentially more digitally oriented. We live in an on-screen world. You know, if you ask a person, where do you live? They'll mention some city. I live outside of Washington, D.C. But in reality, here's where we live. We all live on this thing. We all live on our screens. And the experiences that we have with companies have to align with the lifestyle that we've all chosen to adopt, to live on our own screens. And so the central premise of the new book, Digital Customer Service, really still goes back to the theme of unnecessary customer effort. But what we've learned is that the single biggest source of unnecessary effort in the digital world is when a customer has an issue or a problem, they go first to that organization's web properties, website, portal, mobile app get as far as they can get down the process of resolving their issue. And by the way, if they can do so entirely in self-service without any additional help, that's always great. But there are always going to be moments of truth as we've described them. Issues that are emotionally important. Issues where a customer is not sure they know what all their options are. Issues where some degree of diagnosis is required. And in those situations, Live human contact is still critical. But where the effort comes in is, and I think we can all relate to this, if you're on a company's web property and you need to speak to a live human being, not just chat, but a voice conversation with a live human being, what are you stuck doing? Stopping everything that you were doing in the digital realm, throwing that whole part of the experience away, only to have to start all over again by dialing a phone number and then going through that whole process, listening to the IVR menu, hoping you've made the right selection, finally waiting to speak to a person, then re-explaining your whole issue, getting re-authenticated in the system. That is the biggest source of unnecessary effort for customers in the digital first on-screen world. And so what we write about in the new book is how can companies solve for that exact problem? Yes, and it's really, 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 really a great book. I have 
thousands of, que of questions I, I would like to ask, but I try to, to stay in the 20 to 30 minutes discussion. Uh, I mentioned three words and I think you can relate to them, but we can discuss on that. Automation, collaboration and communication. These are three topics that you are sharing in, in your book. And I think the best way it's really, if I have you on the podcast, not speaking too much, but giving back the words to you to explain that. Sure. So in the book, we describe a specific strategy called DCS. Now, the book is called Digital Customer Service, but right away, early in the book, we describe how those three words put together have a lot of variable interpretation. They can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. Typically, what they have meant in the past is adding more digital features and functions and extras on top of a customer service platform that was based in telephony starting with a telephone-based system and then adding these digital features. But what we're describing is a platform in which all of the elements of the entire experience are all integrated into one platform. And what you mentioned are the three pillars of DCS, communication, collaboration, and automation. So just to give you a brief description of each, when it comes to communication, a customer should be able to contact a company any way they choose through any of what we used to call channels. So if you want to start on the website, if you want to start in SMS, even if you want to start in the phone, no matter where you start, that's where the journey should flow from there without forcing you to do a whole separate thing. So all the, all the elements of communication are tied together. When it comes to collaboration, now it is very possible for a customer and an agent to be looking at the same thing at the same time. This is what we call co-browsing. Imagine if you're having trouble accessing some function or some information on a company's website. You press a button. Now you're speaking to a live representative through your own screen, through your own computer, who then is, with your permission, able to look at your screen and show you Look at this little button here. Go ahead and press that. Or did you know if you scroll here, all of that functionality or all of that information is available to you? Think about how that changes the whole experience of customer service. You know, it's very hard to describe to someone or as the customer to take instruction from someone who's looking at something that's different than you are. Even if you're looking at more or less the same screen, Without being able to see where I'm looking or for me to be able to see where you're looking, that's a communications nightmare. And that creates unnecessary effort. But with co-browsing, it's possible for the agent and the customer to both be looking at the customer screen in real time. So that's collaboration. And then when it comes to automation, there's really two flavors. Automation that makes the agent's job easier, like bringing up account information, making suggestions about next steps, pre-filling out of forms for the customer, guiding the agent to the appropriate resource to solve this customer's issue, or automation that benefits the customer, automatically navigating them to a place where they need to go next, populating forms with information from the customer themselves without them having to do all the extra work, providing potential steps or tips or tricks to guide that customer through their own experience. So automation works both for the agent and for the customer. So again, 
all elements of communication, collaboration, and automation all tied together into one platform. And that's what it takes to create an effortless, seamless, five-star experience for today's digital first customers, which, by the way, are pretty much all of us. Exactly. And uh, harmonized throughout all this process is exactly what you were saying. Uh, perhaps because I, I am following you, I know what you're discussing. And uh, often people say, but you know, Rick, um, during the pandemic, people want to talk to, to, to contact center agents, to, to employees. Uh, what you are offering? What, what's your view on that? Yes, there will always be situations in which talking to a live human being are either absolutely necessary or greatly preferred. But those live conversations no longer have to happen as a completely separate phone call. So one of the key elements of this DCS platform is what we call on-screen voice. So you as the customer, at any time in the middle of your interaction, if you want to speak to a live human being, you press one button on your screen, and now you're speaking through your screen to a person on the other end who's representing the company who can take care of your issue. Just like you would if you had to make a phone call, but without that whole unnecessary step of stopping what you were doing and then starting all over in a phone call. So let's discuss both for the customer and the agent how this idea of on-screen voice is so much better for them. For the customer, the entire live part of the interaction occurs within context. So I'm already in the middle of some digital journey. I'm in the middle of some process. If I need help, I press a button, and now I'm speaking to a person who can help me right where I already was. You know, we talk about the idea of meeting the customer where they are, and that's almost always interpreted as meeting them in the channel where they began the interaction, and certainly that's important. But what about meeting the customer where they are in the midst of the journey that they were already on? So being able to speak to a live person who can pick up the conversation in context where I am at this point in the journey creates a much lower effort experience. Think about it now from the agent's standpoint. In a situation where the customer's already been authenticated in the system, their account has already been pulled up because they logged in on the website or the app, the agent can then greet the customer by name. Hi, Mr. DeLisi. Great to talk to you. And by the way, based on that person's browsing history or what we call their digital footprint, where are they on the site or the app at the moment that they needed help? A conversation instead of starting with, hi, how may I help you, not knowing who that person is or what they need, could begin with, hey, Mr. DeLisi, looks like you're trying to apply for an auto loan. I could totally help you with that. Think of how much different that is for both the customer and the agent. It really feels to the customer much more like a VIP experience. This person already knows me. This person is anticipating my needs. This person is joining me in the middle of my journey. For the agent, it creates many more of what are called rock star moments, where you can truly connect with a person, where you don't have to ask a million annoying authentication questions. You don't have to try to identify the issue this person is dealing with because you already have a strong idea based on what they've been doing. So being able to jump into the middle of that person's conversation is not only more efficient, 
it's typically a much shorter conversation, which is better for everybody. But it also allows you to truly serve that person instead of having to start from square one every single time. So it creates one of these impacts where everyone comes out ahead. It really is best for all. And it's so cool to think that this technology, which didn't exist before, not only exists today, but is available to virtually any company. And it totally makes sense because I am preaching about having human-to-human experiences, but right. these are the value-added human-to-human experiences because if I know you, Rick, then I use your name and I know why you're calling me. And it means I care about you and I can start in a completely different way our, our discussion. And it, it totally makes sense. And as you are saying, the technology is there. Technology is the mean to achieve something And this something, it's, it's exactly creating value. And as you are explaining perfectly in the first book and also in this book, to reduce the effort. It, it totally makes sense. And, and that is the hallmark of this new book, is that it, it is based on the combined learnings of everything that I've been studying, which is around the psychology of customer interactions with my co-author, Dan McKelly, who's the CEO of Glia, he's been studying how can we use technology to create more effortless experiences. And so we believe this is the first time that technology and psychology have been combined to create one product, one book, and one strategy. So it's equal parts both. There's the human side and the technological side. They've now merged into one central idea, which is Why are we still doing so much of customer service on the telephone? It doesn't make sense anymore in today's digital first world. Yes, and it, it totally makes sense. Perhaps, how are you seeing the evolution of customer service in the past and nowadays? What we're seeing is that it hasn't evolved nearly as quickly as the behaviors of customers themselves. That's a really unfortunate and uncomfortable situation for companies to be in, recognizing We haven't come as far as our own customers. You know, 84% of customers, according to research by Forrester, start any service interaction on their own screen. And yet, companies around the world are still taking over 8 billion phone calls for customer service. That's a mismatch. That represents a lack of evolution by companies forcing their customers to do a thing that frankly feels out of date. We just don't use the telephone for information or for service anymore. You know, think about all the things that we used to do by dialing a phone number that we don't do anymore. Even common things like reservations. When's the last time you made an airline or a hotel reservation or even a dinner reservation simply by picking up a phone and calling? No, when we need help, when we want information, When we need service, we go here, we go to our screens. So again, why is so much of customer service still happening on the phone? That's a mismatch. It's an opportunity moment, and it represents the chance for companies to evolve as quickly as their customers already have. Exactly. And I think in, in the book and in your presentation, you are preaching about digital first. And it totally makes sense because we are living on our phones It's not a playing, 
as my yeah. wife is often saying that I play with the phone. It's really working with the phone and uh, and doing everything what what we are doing in our daily daily lives. Perhaps my question is also I really like to speak about the future. Try to predict what will happen in future. What's your view, Rick? What we are speaking about in 10 years from now about customer service? In 10 years, we will look back at today and ask the same question I just asked before. Why did we do so much of the most important interactions we'll ever have with customers on the telephone? It doesn't make sense. We'll laugh about that in the way that we laugh about all the things that we used to do on the phone. In the U.S., for example, you tell me if you're familiar with the concept called movie phone. We used to call a telephone number to find out what time movies were playing at the local theater. That now seems so archaic. That seems so old fashioned. That would be like, you know, making your own clothes off of a loom or churning your own butter or building your own wagon. I suppose you could do those things, but... We don't do those things anymore. We don't use the phone for information, for service anymore, except when we have to, when we're forced to in customer service. So I think 10 years from now, we'll be looking back and maybe almost sheepishly or embarrassingly laughing about the fact that we, even in 2022, we're still making people call us on the phone when they wanted or needed human contact. Thank you very much. It, it, it totally makes sense. And I could uh, agree more because at the end, we want to, to create effortless experiences for our customer. But perhaps also not always to, to agree on everything. Um, some people, some customer experience professionals are preaching about to uh, add some effort to some experiences in order to make that more desirable for, for, for customers that they need to do something in order to achieve something. What's your view? The perfect experience is really the effortless one or with a small effort? Well, let's make sure that we're drawing a clear distinction between two groups of people. People who aren't your customers yet, so prospects or people who you're trying to sell to, and your existing customers. The psychology of those two experiences is often very different. If a person in the process of becoming a customer feels like they achieved something or they had to put in a little extra work to get what they want, maybe there's a, a more rewarding experience uh, about that. Maybe it feels like I did something and I got something. So maybe in the process of becoming a customer, that might be a desirable outcome. But once a person's already a customer, if they have a problem, if they have an issue, if they need help, anything that you're doing that makes that experience more of an effort for the customer means you're losing. You're losing in loyalty. You're losing in potential future revenue. You're losing in terms of potential negative word of mouth. So anything that involves treating an existing customer, particularly in solving a problem, should always be done in the most effortless way possible. Here's another way to think about it. For people who work in marketing, one of the primary objectives is mindshare. How can we get people to be thinking about us more often? How can we be more front of mind among our prospects? In service, 
Isn't it exactly the opposite? Haven't we really succeeded in service at the exact moment that the customer completely forgets that there was ever a problem in the first place? So rather than try to create dazzlingly memorable experiences in service, the, the ultimate outcome is to create an experience that's so easy that the problem goes away and is never thought of again. It totally makes sense. Thank you very much. And now the question that it comes to my mind is where can the audience find the book? Yeah, so we're really happy that the book has been published by Wiley, a major publisher. It's available on Amazon. It's available on Barnes and Noble. And uh, certainly it's available for global distribution. We also have an audiobook version narrated by a, a very cool and inexpensive narrator, me. And uh, there's also a digital version as well, if you'd prefer to read it on your Kindle or your ebook reader. Thank you very much. And now it's really time to come to the end of the game and understand a bit more about you. But before uh, deep diving into that, if somebody would like to contact you, what's the best way to contact you? Sure. It's always easy through LinkedIn. It's just my name, Rick Delisi, D-E-L-I-S-I -I on LinkedIn. Or my email address at glia is rick.delisi at glia. And is it possible to contact also Dan? Yes. Uh, Dan is available through LinkedIn as well. And it's Dan McKelly. Looks like the word, the name Michael with an I on the end. Dan McKelly. And he's on LinkedIn as well. Thank you very much. And is there perhaps, in addition to the effortless, effortless experience and the digital customer experience, uh, sorry, digital customer service, is there a book that you would like to, to suggest to the audience that help you during your career or throughout your life? Yeah, I am always amazed how many people who follow the NPS methodology, the Net Promoter Score methodology, or who have even been measuring it at their companies for years, haven't read the seminal book that introduced the world to NPS, which is called The Ultimate Question, written by Fred Reichelt. I'm amazed, shocked even, to discover that a lot of people who've been tracking NPS for years don't even fully understand it. And the book explains it very thoroughly. How it's less, even though the question is, how likely are you to recommend this to a friend or colleague? It's less about recommendation and more about getting a more truthful reaction from an individual about how they feel about their interactions with a company. So the idea is, if we just simply ask you, how likely are you to be loyal to our company? Your answer may or may not be indicative of your future behavior. But if we ask you, and again, this represents the totality of your entire experience with the company. If we ask you, how likely are you to recommend us to a friend or colleague? What we're really doing is putting you in the mind frame of influencing other people. And for most of us, When we're asked a question about our influence of, over other people, we're more likely to be transparent, more likely to be fully honest about our feelings than if you just ask me about how I feel. So that's where NPS first began. The whole idea of putting a person in the mindset of recommending or influencing another person and using that as a lens through which to understand exactly how do I feel about my overall loyalty to your company. 
Thank you very much. And now I ask you to, to score the last goal. It is Rick Golden Nugget. It's something that we discussed or something new that you would like to leave to the audience. Yeah, this for anybody who lives and breathes CX, this has been just a fundamental lesson that I've learned. And, and if you haven't heard it expressed exactly in this way, I hope it becomes as meaningful to you as it does to me. Loyalty isn't really about you. Loyalty isn't really about your company. Loyalty isn't really about your product. And to some extent, loyalty isn't really about the experience people have. Really? I thought that's everything loyalty was all about. Well, what I've been learning is that loyalty is much more of a reflection of that individual person and how they feel about themselves. So when a person encounters a product, a service, a brand, or an experience that makes them feel smarter and better about themselves, that's where loyalty comes from. And so everything in the CX world, instead of being about trying to get people to say how great we are, should be about enabling people to feel even smarter and better about the decision they made to become your customer in the first place. So again, loyalty comes from how I feel about myself based on my choices, so much more so than how I feel about you. So stop trying so hard to get people to say how great you are and instead create every opportunity to enable and reinforce a person's sense of self-worth and self-value based on their decision to do business with you. Thank you very much. We are concluding this discussion with Rick Golden Nugget. I'm not commenting that because that's your Golden Nugget. It was an outstanding discussion. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. And for anybody who'd like to continue the conversation, let's do so. Thanks. I am super happy. And please, Rick, stay on the line because I need to ask you your 15-digit account number for the... <laughs> I just put it in the system. <laughs> I don't have it. I need to write it. <laughs> And for the audience, I hope that you enjoyed the discussion as much as I did. Really, please stop, post this podcast, download your copy of Digital Customer Service because it's really worthwhile to, to buy it. It's, it's a great book. And please uh, stay on the line. We will meet the next time. It was a great pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Cheers. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it. Share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget, we are not in a B2B or B2C business. We are in a human-to-human -human environment. Thank you.